<laughs> All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best. You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. Welcome to your podcast. I'm Ken Mills, and today we are going to visit the ghost of Podcast Past. From December of 2008, our two part podcast episode number 12. Part 1 A Kissmas Adventure, or I Want Yule. And Part 2 Our Interview with Bob Kulik. I think it's interesting to take a look back at where we were and I personally enjoyed listening to this fantastic podcast classic episode. Gary did an excellent job on the production, and it's just lots of fun to hear. We also want to encourage you to check out Pods and Sods, who are doing 12 days of Kissmas Part 2, where they're doing most of the unmasked albums right on up through to Monster. So check them out. Check out all the various Kiss podcast shows, and you know, you think about this show coming out in 2008. Back then, there was no history Science Theater. There was no Real Decibel Geek yet. There was no <laughs> Shabby Road. And there was no The Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. No Cheap Talk. And all the other Kiss podcasts were yet to come. I think it's so cool that there's so many great podcasts out there to listen to. So no matter what your speed, whether it's the Decibel Geek or rock and roll podcast or history science theater or pot of thunder or the kiss room or whatever you want to listen to check it out we, we we thank you for your support we really and truly do so i hope that this show puts a smile on your face and we just want to thank you all for listening and being part of this we will return in 2016 with our part two of our carnival of souls discussion and an interview with Julian Gill and so much more. So sit back, open up your ear holes and put a smile on your face, grab some eggnog or the adult beverage of your choice and enjoy this look at Podkiss Kissmas Past. We wish you a happy holiday, a happy Kringle, Merry Christmas, a Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Celebrate it well, be safe, be happy, peace and love. See you in 2016. This is Gene Simmons from KISS wishing you a happy holiday and reminding you that I regurgitated over 358 pints of blood this year. Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. James, Ken, good to see you guys. Sup, G? Merry Christmas, Gary. Merry Christmas, fellas. I've got that Pro Shot Asylum Tour DVD all queued up, and the eggnog's ready to go. We're just waiting on a very special delivery. What kind of delivery? All right, we'll see what you make of this. I got a note from UPS saying they've got some kind of huge delivery from an anonymous Kiss collector with the initials J-K-S. 
Supposedly, it's a gift to the podcast staff. Well, what do you think it is? Well, that's just it. I've got no idea. It could be anything. I mean, Kiss have been around for 35 years, and... Let me see who that is. Oh, hey, it's Bob Kulik. Oh, wow. Let me put him on speakerphone. Hey, Bob, I'm here with Ken and Ferk. Hey, Bob. Hey, how are we doing, Bob? Hi, Gary. Hi, Ferk. Ken, how's everybody doing? Doing all right, man. Listen, I hate to be a jerk, but we're waiting for a delivery, and I know you wanted to go Christmas caroling. Can we... Can we take a rain check? I'm sorry. I know, I know. Don't rub it in, please. I feel bad. You know what? Santa Claus is coming to town. He knows when you been... I promise, man. We'll do it another time. Listen, uh, Ken will call you later for that interview, all right, man? Take it easy. Take care. Good guy, that Bob Kulik. Good guy. It's the UPS man. Ken, you want to get that? How's it going? Not bad, buddy. Listen, you want to sign for this thing? Sure. All right, back it up. All right, easy does it. Let it down gently. Easy, easy. Holy mackerel. Wow. Hey, Ken, did they let you sign for the what in the name of... Will you just look at the size of this I've thing? I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it's just so massive. What, what is, is it? it? Well, from the outside, it looks like a giant tent or something. There's just so much material. Must be yards and yards of this stuff. Look, there's an opening on one side. Hello? Hello? Fellas, we've got to go in there. I don't know. It's pretty dark in here. James is right. I mean, there could be some real rarities in this, this, this whatever it is. Well, we might as well. really dark in here. I can't even see directly in front of me. I know, kind of spooky, but... Uh-oh. Look. The opening! It collapsed! Great, I knew this was a bad idea. Does uh, anybody have a match? Yeah, your face and my... Here, I brought my 1977 Kiss Army flashlight. You... you took it out of the box? Well, this one, yeah. Hey, is that the one with Ace on it? No, this one has Gene and Paul. Oh, I must be thinking of the 1979 version with the, uh, uh... Guys, focus, please. Sorry. Will you look at this place? You know, this may sound inconceivable, but it seems like it's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. You know, I thought so too. Look over there, on the other side of this big area, there are these five long corridors leading off toward... toward whatever. Guys, we gotta find a way out of here. The only way out is in. Huh? Who said that? What the? Oh, it's some kind of creature. Look at him. He's... He's... He's a small mop of hair. With a face. And legs. And a cigar. Yeah. Well, old habits die hard. Allow me to introduce myself. I'm Wiggy, the keeper of the glove. Keeper of the glove? What glove? This glove. The one you're standing in. This is the glove of Mark St. John. Well, that settles it. Too much eggnog. Cut me off. The glove of Mark St. John. So that's why it was sent to us. Boy, oh boy. They weren't kidding about the swelling in his hands, were they? So those five corridors, are they... The five fingers in his glove. You got it, kid. This is so weird. You three have been chosen to venture forth into the unknown. We will enter these five caverns. There you will find trials and triumphs. But beware, for the voyage ahead ain't gonna be an easy one to undertake. Now take a breath and close your eyes. 
You're on the road again. What do you think, guys? I don't know. James? Like the song says, boys, you got nothing to lose. Then hop in. Hop into what? Into my car, of course. Hey, all right. Nice set of wheels, Wiggy. Not for nothing, but it gets me where I need to go. <laughs> Shotgun. Hey, Wiggy, you look kind of familiar. Yeah, have we ever seen you before? In a manner of speaking, you fellas familiar with the Animalized Tour? Of course. I saw a bunch of those shows. Love that DVD. Well, I'm a... Let's just say I appeared on that tour on a... On top of Gene's head. Ah. Hey, Wiggy, you got anything to listen to in here? Sure, kid. It's on shuffle. Let's see. No. No, no, no. No, no, no. Ah, I got it. This is something you don't hear every day. It's Kiss playing You're All That I Want live in London in 1980. Yeah. 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 Y
Nice. Great song. Great tour. Thought you might enjoy that. Well, here we are, the end of the first finger. Hey, look, it's some kind of pedestal. What's on it? It's a key. A key to what? Patience, grasshopper. All in due time. Well, you're off to finger number two. Just gotta light me a cigar here. You know, you really shouldn't smoke those things. You ever pick up your teeth with broken fingers, kid? Noted. Got any more rare kiss stuff to listen to? Pick a year. 1976. 1976, good choice. This is the earliest known recording of Kiss performing Shout It Out Loud. This was recorded on the Alive Tour, live in Miami. Enjoy. Good stuff. It passed the time, cause here we are in finger number two. Look, another pedestal. Hey, it, 
It's a purple headband. It looks like the one worn by Paul during the Elder Era. Hey, you never know. Well, thanks, Wiggy. This will look very cool amidst our KISS collectibles. Don't mention it all right, kiddies. Back in. I ain't got all day, you know. So, what's next on the old stereo, Wiggy? Here's a rough, unreleased mix of Rocket Ride from the Alive 2 session.
Cool stuff, Wiggy. And here we are in finger number three. And there's another pedestal. It's a picture frame. With a black and white drawing of Wiggy in it. It's something to remember me by. Hey, thanks, Wiggy. Yeah, this is one adventure we don't want to forget. Well, we're off to finger number four. Got any more rare kiss tunes for us? Well, now, hang on. Before we listen to anything else, I've got to ask. Why us? Yeah, good question. I mean, what's really going on here? Life is about choices. Well, some of it is. Sometimes people choose to be satisfied while others choose to be unsatisfied. Some people even choose to be angry while others choose to let go. This sounds like a Rush lyric. I still don't see what all this has to do with us. Don't worry, you will. Hey, why are we stopped? We didn't reach the end of the fourth finger yet. We're out of gas. Out of gas? Gas is expensive, even inside of a giant glove. Well, I guess we'll just have to walk. Ken, do you have your flashlight? Of course I... Wait a second! What's up? Shh! Do you hear it? Ken, you're creeping me out. That makes two of us. Ken is right. Listen! Guys, look. What? What are they? They're terrifying. They look like zombies. Listen to them. Too many compilations. Years without a new album. Stab with no integrity. They're complaining. Complaining about Kiss. Nobody should wear anybody else's makeup. Why would zombies complain about Kiss? They're not just zombies. They are the lost souls of the Kiss army. All they care about is money. Fallen soldiers. Their hearts consumed with anger, their flesh eaten away by negativity. Much merchandising. Run, gentlemen. I'll hold them off as long as I can. Run to the fifth finger. We're not leaving you here. You're brave. Don't be brave and foolish. You'll wind up brave, foolish, and dead. Farewell means farewell. Now get out of here. Wiggy! It's too late. We'd better run. Are they still after us? I... I think so. Not enough changes to the set list. Too many changes to the set they list. They changed the set list enough, but didn't play what I wanted them to. What'll we do? Use the headband. Wiggy? Wiggy, where are you? We can hear you, but we can't see you. I had to buy you some time. Now, trust me. Use the headband. Here, let me try it on. No, it doesn't fit. My head is too small. That's not what they say on the message boards. Oh, no, you didn't. Can you try them? Okay, nope. No dice. Too small for me. That... that just leaves me. Quick, the zombies are closing in. But... but I'm just a boy. Wanna be a dead boy? Good call. Give me the headband. It fits! Gary, look at his eye! It's glowing. James, your right eye is glowing. Aim at the zombies. Good shooting, James. Well, what do you know? Nicely done, kid. Wiggy, are you... Dead? Well, yes and no. Talking wigs don't really die. You know, I don't think I've ever heard those words in that order before. I was sent here to be your guide. You survived the journey and defeated the zombies of the Kiss Army. Now join me in the fifth finger and you'll receive your reward. We made it. Welcome to the fifth finger. Look on that pedestal. It's, it's some kind of box. It's locked. Gary, use that key. Hey, that's right. I forgot about this thing. Here we go, gentlemen. 
It's a record player. What's on the record? It's a kiss gift for you and your friends to enjoy. It says here it's from Joseph Kiss Sr. Oh, of course, Joseph Kiss Sr., JKS. That's who sent the glove, too. Uh, now let's see what it is. Oh, on the label it says it was recorded live in 1987. Give it a spin. Thanks, Wiggy. You saved our lives and gave us a Kissmas we'll never forget. Hey, you chose to go on this adventure. What about you, Wiggy? You coming with us? Oh, we might meet again. Well, rest assured, we'll post this picture of you on our podcast website. I think our listeners might enjoy it. Hey, there's a light up ahead. It's the entrance to the glove. Like the song says, goodbye is only for now. He's gone. And so is the glove. What an amazing day. Hey James, what are you going to do with that headband? With power comes responsibility. This cannot fall into the wrong hands. It must be guarded for all times. And I, I will take this challenge. Let me guess, you're putting it up on eBay. Yeah, might as well. Good call. Well, fellas, I'm off for the interview on part two. Hey, say hello to Bob for us. Right. See you in part two. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Hi, this is Bob Kulik. And you're listening to Podkiss. A few weeks ago, we announced a contest on some of the message boards. Listeners were asked to write in and share with us their favorite Kissmas memories. One submission would be picked, and that person would win a copy of the new CD, We Wish You a Metal Christmas, produced by Kiss veteran and friend of the podcast, Bob Kulik. The response was fantastic. Ken, James, and I had such a hard time picking one winner that we decided to pick three. So all three winners will be receiving copies of this great CD. So as promised, we're going to read these three emails to you right now. Our friend Rob, also known as Purple Planet, wrote the following. In my town, Mount Blanchard, Ohio, in December of 1989, our church used to put on a Christmas in the park for the community. It was always fun. Uh, Well, after the festivities uh, for the night, me and my best friend would head back to my house and watch MTV. And that was the night that changed our lives. That was the first time we saw the video for Hide Your Heart. It blew our minds. What made it so cool was that our sister had crutches that year and we were using our crutches as guitars in our living room. I know it doesn't sound much like a Christmas story, but that was the night we became diehard fans. We both went to the store the next morning and picked up Hot in the Shade. 
It was both of our first Kiss cassettes back in the day, and we still are diehard fans today. So fast forward to the last 10 years. We both have been in many bands with each other, and we can now play Hide Your Heart for real, Ben on guitar and me on drums, and we do so every Christmas since. That is what Kissmas is to me, falling in love with my favorite band every year. I'm going to read Rob, a.k.a. Movie Demons, Kissmas email. It was the Christmas of 1984, and for months I was begging for the Animalize LP. My father, may he rest in peace, did not approve of my Kiss fandom, and simply told me that he didn't think it was an appropriate gift. My brothers and sisters, who did not yet work, were of no help, and we only exchanged gifts that cost a couple of dollars, sometimes less. Suffice it to say, on Christmas Eve night, I was unable to sleep. I loved the Heavens on Fire video, and I had my wall decorated with pics and articles of the album that were ripped from my sister's various rock magazines. I so badly wanted this LP, but felt it was a long shot that it would be mine. I woke Christmas morning, and I raced to my parents' room. The rule in my house was that there was no unwrapping of gifts until my parents were awake. After moaning and groaning for a few minutes, we all huddled by the tree as my dad was barely awake on the couch nearby. I tore through my gifts, and there was no animal eyes. Every Christmas, we had a tradition of going to my dad's mother's house for Christmas, as Christmas Eve was reserved for my mother's side of the family. I was always happy to visit my dad's family, but I never looked forward to the gifts, as they were generally crummy. That said, gifts were handed out in an orderly fashion. My dad would read out the recipient of the gift, and you went up and collected it. So in no time, he called out my name, and with everyone, I went up. It was one cheesy gift after another. My uncle, saving his gift for last, calls my name for one final time. I look up to see a small wrapped present in his hand. With drooped shoulders and a hanging head, I went to collect my present. I opened the small box to find a rock with a small note attached. I opened the note, and in capital letters it said, Look under your seat. Taped at the bottom of my chair was one wrapped copy of the Animalized LP. I was euphoric. Later that night, my uncle brought me upstairs and allowed me to play it on his record player. The first time I've had enough blasted from his speakers, I knew it was going to be one memorable Kissmas. Richie Hundy wrote, My runner-up Kissmas memory involves my mom's purchase for my 15-year-old brother for Christmas 1977, Alive 2 on vinyl. She bought it in early December and told me where she hid it in her room, so I would sneak in nearly every day to my parents' bedroom, slip the album out of the bottom drawer, and stare at the shrink-wrapped back cover, staring at the faces and staring at the five new song titles. Who would sing each one? Rocket Ride had to be an ace song, right? An all-American man? Definitely Paul. So maybe rockin' in the USA was Peter. Was Any Way You Wanted a Gene song? I drooled over this record for weeks on end. My brother didn't have it unwrapped more than a second on Christmas Eve before I begged him to open it. When he cracked open that gatefold photo and slid out the book and the tattoos, any other toys I had were decimated. But that's not my main memory. That came the following year when I was eight. I already had Ace's solo album, but I had been hoping to get Gene's for Christmas. So on Christmas Eve, I went immediately to the 12-inch flat package on my pile, ripped it open, screamed, tore through my other presents, and then begged my folks to let me go listen to it now before everyone else was done. My brother went with me, but he told me to hold on as he grabbed one of his presents, a plug-in dome lamp that basically reflected spinning lights around the room, much like a miniature disco ball. He set up the lamp while I popped open the shrink wrap with my thumb, put on the vinyl, and stared at the poster. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha. 
When he was ready, the door closed, the lights went out, and the needle dropped. Christmas Eve 1978 was spent with my brother, laying on my bed, watching the colors spin around the room, and getting the chills while that intro played. Not like Ace's album at all. Not like Christmas at all. And definitely scary to hear the strings crescendo as women were chanting Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Thank God Radioactive started soon. By See You Tonight, the lights were back on. My parents were in our bedroom, bribing me to come back to the living room with my box of 128 crayons with sharpener included. 1977 to 1978, when Kiss put out amazing product twice a year and made imaginations run wild. When people ask why I remotely care about the band, it goes back to stuff like this. The vinyl, the people I was with, the stuff we were seeing and talking about. There have since been some bigger and pricier gifts, but none have burrowed into my brain like those gifts in those years. Big thanks goes out to all of you who sent in your special Kissmas memories. Without you, this contest would not have been possible. Keep watching your mailbox for that cool Bob Kulik CD. Everybody head to Amazon.com right now and pick up this great new album. And uh, thanks again for making this contest a huge success. So that wraps up part one of this show. Be sure to check out part two for our exclusive interview with Bob Kulik. The new unofficial and unsanctioned KISS book, Gene, Ace, Peter, and Paul, celebrates the legendary 1978 KISS solo albums. Released simultaneously, KISS became the first major rock band to attempt such a major endeavor. The book features interviews with more than 30 musicians, engineers, producers, arrangers, those most intimately involved in the creation of the solo albums. The book is available in paperback and Kindle formats at Amazon.com and in iBook formats at iTunes. Please visit Kiss78SoloAlbums.com for further information. Sweet! It's Kiss Safe Santa! Hang on, Santa! We're coming! Hurry, boys! The eggs are hatching! What do we do? Wait a second! Everyone knows pterodactyls can't stand the screech of a guitar! It's working! Hey, Santa, be careful! Oh, no! Careful, Santa! Hang on, Santa! Hey, I was watching that! Hey! It'll be on next Christmas. Well, who the hell knows when that's gonna be? As there were a few who could rightly be called the fifth Beatle, there are also those who can be called a fifth Kiss. Bob Kulik is that man. Bob is no stranger to Kiss fans. Through his work with Kiss, it is hard to imagine history as we know it without him. After all, he is also Bruce Kulik's big brother. Bob has worked with artists as diverse as Kiss, Paul Stanley, Wasp, Meatloaf, Michael Bolton, Lou Reed, Dora Pesch, Diana Ross, Motorhead, Tim Curry, Alice Cooper, Mark Farner, Janice Ian, Was Not Was, Raquel Welsh, and, of course, SpongeBob SquarePants. You can run out of breath with that list, Bob. It is interesting to note that Bob also has produced Motorhead's Grammy Award-winning song, Whiplash, which won 2004's Best Metal Performance. He also produced and played guitar on the theme for WWE superstar wrestler Triple H and has earned 11 platinum or gold records working with Kiss and Diana Ross. Welcome to the podcast, Bob. Hey, thanks for having me today, Ken. How's everybody doing? Oh, we're doing okay. I'd like to wish you a happy holidays right off the top there. So, Triple H, huh? So, what was it like to work with him? Uh, was it was there ever any trouble in the studio? Like, if he didn't like something, would he, like, put you in a headlock? No, of course he'd do the pedigree on <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Actually, he was nowhere to be found. Right. Uh, 
you know, the the band was all we dealt with, really. And after they left, because they had to go on the road, we basically were, were sitting there with a, a half a song, which we wound up having to do some supplemental recording, shall we say, vis-a-vis my playing. Uh, and then uh, we had to move some of Lemmy's vocals around to create a full song out of it. But uh, having said that, it was one of my most favorite things that I've ever done because of how good it came out for the usage that it was for. So when I see him come out all these years later, that was recorded in 2000. 2000. We did that in 2000. <laughs> so it's 2008 now. For eight years, he's used this theme song. Wow, that's and kind of unheard night, of anymore. He comes, out, he comes out to this, well, he spits the water out to the theme part that I came up with and all of that. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's, it, that is his signature. And because Lemmy sounds like what he looks like, it works perfectly. When I, the first time I saw him come out and do it, uh, I was so freaked out by it because it was perfect. He heard it. He knew exactly how to choreograph what he was doing to it. His wife told me subsequent to when we finally met him, he finally realized what had happened when I explained the story. You know, tell me how this happened. And it's so incredible. I'm so happy. Everybody else is so jealous of this song. As well, they should be. You know, yeah. something that fits that great with his personality. You know, and I told him what happened. He was just like, I can't thank you enough. You know, so, <laughs> I, you know, if I need an autograph photo for somebody, you know, if I need tickets. And, you know, I, I did go out and play with Motorhead when they played WrestleMania twice at his invite you know, to, to bring him on. And even though I stood behind the stage, I was there. Wow. And it was, it was a great thrill, you know. I mean, you know, we all know it's, uh, it's entertainment, it's sports entertainment, but these guys do go at it. And, you know, I've seen him bloodied and, you know, beat to crap. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I'd ask him, so are you okay after that? You know, he's just like, yeah, I'm all right, you know, I'm all right. It's like, it looks really bad, you know. Blood all <laughs> over his face, and then afterwards is a Band-Aid the size of your thumb on his right. car, and that's bad. But they know how to make it look really bad and gory and all that stuff. It's part of part of the entertainment part. But um, to hear the crowd cheer playing that song when he came out, I wouldn't trade that for anything. It really made me feel great. Um, Bob, I have to ask one question. I saw this on Wikipedia, so you know it must be true. It is rumored that okay. you once gave a young like Jimmy Hendrix. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it is rumored that you once gave a young Jimi Hendrix a spare guitar string when Hendrix broke his during an audition in New York City. Any truth to this? Uh, there is truth to it. It's not exactly as described by that. Um, uh, I had a band, the Kitty Band, that played during the day at the Café Wa, the Random Blues Band. So we were kids. You know, this place had no liquor license. So we okay. could stay later to see some of the entertainment, Richie Havens, Richard Pryor, that's Booze of the Axe that were there at the time. Then there were a bunch of bands. Uh, around the corner was the Love and Spoonful and the Blues Magoos and all of that stuff. So that's the time frame of what this was. Uh, this guy shows up one day, Jimmy James in the Blue Flame, and he plays, and it's just like, we're all like, you know, oh, the spaceship must be outside, because, you know, none of us could understand even what he was doing, let alone come near that talent. So he got hired, and uh, he played um, one uh, one day, uh, shortly after we got hired, for Chess Chandler of the Animals. Okay. And, uh, Jeff Chandler went on to offer him, you know, you got to come to England, I'm going to make you a star. Right. About six weeks or two months after that, he left for England. That was that. But there was a show where he was about to go on, he was tuning up backstage, and he broke a string. So I happened to have an extra string, and I was just like, hey, 
here you go. Hey, thanks, man. Was one of those. I mean, we were all like we were totally in awe of him. I mean, and he was, you know, he was not, he was not an unfriendly guy, but you know, nobody knew, you know, what to say to somebody. Exactly. That drastically better than everybody else. The intimidation factor. I'm a kid. He's older than me. Say he's young. You know, I, I was, you know, you know, underage with a, with a phony cabaret license that I got from a from a phony birth certificate. <laughs> Even though it was not a, because I played, I played top forty gigs. I played gigs like that. So when when I was fourteen, it said I was eighteen, so I could play. You know what I'm saying? So I did, did because I looked older. It didn't matter if all the guys had their cards. You were okay. But in this case, you know, he left shortly after that. And when he came back, we saw him at the, the Warwick Hotel, and we knew he was going to be a huge star. And of course, he was. He became a huge star. It was just so obvious that he was so incredible. I mean, no, nobody could deny. You know, the real funny story is when he auditioned around the corner with the night out, the owner couldn't hire him because he was black, because the mafia wouldn't have liked it. The wow. Guy tell him, I can't hire you because you're black. Although he didn't use the word black, you know, he because you're a Negro. I can't hire you. You know, we were all like, what? Unbelievable. <laughs> if that was the case, he would have played at the better place, but it didn't matter. Because, you know, once Chess Chandler saw him, that he was on his way. Yeah, he... So I was happy to be around for that. Happy to say that I met him the last time I saw him, walking down 8th Street past his studio the week before he left for Isle of Wight. Hey, how you doing? Great, how you doing? Great. Still love all the way you're doing, man. You're so incredible. Thanks. What's happening? Going to play a festival in England. Great. I look forward to seeing you when you get back. And he never came back. That's sad. But, you know, he uh, managed to do okay for himself despite not getting that gig. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So history. It's sad about Mitch Mitchell too. He was somebody else I met back in the day. Actually, I met him that day, that day at the Warwick Hotel, when we went up to see Jimmy when he was playing with the Monkees. The day he got fired for playing with the Monkees, when he came back, that was his first time back in New York. Wow! So he called all his friends from the village. We all went up to see him. So I met Mitch Mitchell and Mel Redding that time. Very yeah. cool. Back in the day when I was a kid, lucky kid, huh? Oh, definitely. You you really have been in some amazing moments in history. Yeah, and, I know. You've worked with some really amazing fun. people. It's just yeah, really. Being in the right place, at the right time is something else. <laughs> <It's> something. <laughs> yeah. You uh, also happened to play with Wasp on the albums uh, "The Crimson Idol" and "Still Not Black Enough." What was that like? How did that come about? Um, well, Blackie was looking for uh, some basically soloists because he was handling the bass and the rhythm guitars on those records. And after Chris had left, you know, I. Uh, Doug Aldrich, myself, a few other guys went down to, you know, check it out. And uh, he liked my playing, especially liked the idol. He really liked that Pink Floyd stuff. It yeah, really it kind of has that vibe to it. And it. Totally, totally. You know, as soon as I played that, his eyes lit up. He was just like, that's it. That's what I want. I'm like, so you don't want some Shredmeister on this? And hell no. No, <laughs> this is what I want. Somebody with some feel. You know, I'm like, okay. So, you know, I, I played on a few things and... Uh, we had a good time, you know. It was frustrating for me because had he let me do all the guitars, he would have had a better record. Had he let me <laughs> the arrange stuff, he would have had a better record. Had he co-written a couple of songs with me, he would have had a better record. Had he let me produce them, he would have had a way better record. But as it is, I'm happy to be a part of the, uh, you know, the Wasp, uh, you know, legendary uh, records. You know, those two are sort of like iconic records. You know, his, his oh, definitely, uh, especially uh, Crimson Island, you know, a concept record. And actually, you know, it was a really good record. I thought. 
but, but you know, he's a great singer. He's a huge talent. Very uh, underrated. But trying to do it all yourself, that's why I, I really believe, like the Beatles and George Martin, you know, the Beatles, these are geniuses, you know. They really need a producer? Absolutely. Absolutely needed a producer. And he proved it right from the very beginning when George Martin was like, please, please me. You know what, guys? It's too slow the way you got it. We should speed this up. It's their first hit. So without that, who knows what would have happened? You know, the producer suggested that to geniuses who didn't need any help. So, exactly. There you have it. Right on the money. That's what I like what I'm doing now because I really feel that I can provide, for those who are really talented, I can provide the extra nine yards. And sometimes that's what makes the difference between it working and then not working. You know, when, when Motorhead won that Grammy, it was just it was obvious because it just sounded right. It was like, well, it couldn't be any better than that. Speaking of production work, um, over the last few years, you've been doing some very cool CDs, which include the all-star metal tributes to some very cool artists. You did a tribute to Alice Cooper, Queen, and one of particular interest, Butchering the Beatles, a uh, head-banging head tribute. But today, we're here to talk about your newest one, which is available in stores now. We wish you a metal Xmas and a head-banging New Year CD. I understand it got a very good review from the Los Angeles Times by Randy Lewis. He gave it a three out of four stars. He says, If the sounds of Motorhead's Lemmy croaking Run Rudolph Run or Ronnie James Dio lumbering through God rest ye merry gentlemen, don't bring an evil smile to your lips. You're probably Ned Flanders. Shred the halls with stacks of marshals. So that's that's got to make you feel pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the reviews have been really great. The Metal Hammer Europe, who are usually pretty brutal, you know, and it, they, they said it was brilliant, you know, like Santa Claus with a flamethrower. <laughs> 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 you know, we've seen some great comments. Um, I think, uh, you know, the difference between the, this record and the other records you referenced is that this is not a tribute record. This is a, a record of classic Christmas songs that we all know, you know Silent Night and uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town and Little Drummer Boy and We Wish You a Merry Christmas. These, are, these songs haven't been changed. They're, they are the same songs. However, they've been put into either metal or rock musical pieces. And so if you just heard the music, you might not know what you were listening to at all. And they were all custom made for the artist. So um, we had to do demos of every one of these songs to play for somebody so they knew what they were getting into because as I said earlier to you, hey, I'm doing this project. We're doing some Christmas songs. So what do you think? Hello? Hello? <laughs> Dead Hello? silence on the other end. Now, they're, they're hiding under the, under the table. They're, they're just like, tell them to go away. But here, I'm going to MP3 you the song. Then tell me you don't want to do this, okay? Every, every time was like, dude, that is awesome. How did you come up with that? It's Silent Night. It's just done as a thrash metal song. <laughs> oh, dude. I remember Scott Ian was like, that's hysterical. I got to play on that. I was just like, of course. Who else could I get that could play that better than you? You know, so but we did demos of every song so everybody could hear. And in the case of Ronnie and Tony, uh, God rest you, Mary Gentlemen, um, I was lucky enough on this project to work with Wendy Dio, who manages Ronnie, Ronnie's ex. And, uh, you know, she helped hook this whole thing up with the label and everybody and wouldn't have been able to be done without her. She manages me now. And she's one of the greatest people. And she's a superb manager and uh, is executive producer on this record. Like I said, I'm really proud to be associated with somebody so, so intelligent and, uh, you know, into the scene. So, you know, she got Ronnie to, to check it out. So the demo we did for him was a faster version of this song. So he came to the studio and was like, um, I, I need to discuss this before we embark. I'm like, okay. So he's like, um, I'm hearing it slower. 
I'm like, okay, so how much slower? It's like, well, I'm hearing it at 80 beats per minute. Uh, I asked my partner, Brett, who I also want to mention. I have a great partner, Brett Jason. You'll see his credits on the record, and he helped with the arrangements and all the stuff and couldn't have done it without him. Excellent anyway, drummer, Brett, by the way. He's a great drummer. He's a real musician, another New Yorker like me, so we get along really great, but he's a younger guy, really in touch with what's going so on. So we'll say, yo, Brett. Yo, Brett. <laughs> and I said to Brett, you know, so where were we at with the uh, Beats Permitted on this other one? 126. Oh, that's drastic. <laughs> he wanted it as a dirge. So I, I started playing. I picked up the guitar. I tried to play the riff, <laughs> you know, 10 different ways at that tempo. And it was like, didn't work at all. So I looked at Ronnie. I was like, ah, Ronnie, I'm going to have to think about this. So here's what I want to suggest. I'll send you the revised demo. Oh, great. Perfect. So it took about three weeks. I said to Brett, you know what? Give me a click track on a CD, 80 beats per minute, that I could just live with. Just played it in the car, listened at home. Finally picked up my guitar and was just like, you know what? It's like the first Black Sabbath record. Exactly. Come up with that boom, boom, boom. Come up with a figure like that. Well, if you listen to that figure, it's that with more notes. That's basically what it is. It's that feel with just more notes. And from there, it was like easy. Once I found out how to frame the idea, sent it to Ronnie. He was blown away. He was like, that's perfect. And he got Tony to play on it. So wow. not only did we get Ronnie, but we got Ronnie and Tony, you know, the two the godfathers of metal who are playing together now in Heaven and Hell, which is an awesome band. I don't know if any viewers have seen some of these shows. I went to see them in San Bernardino, and they were, they were incredible with Vinnie Apice, who also plays on this record, and uh, Geezer, who played his butt off as well. So anyway, you know, uh, it was a challenging record to make because, as I'm saying, to get artists of this ilk, it took the proper song. And Alice Cooper, what do you think? I'm like, yeah, I see that lyric is me. I can see why you're saying that. But when he came to the studio and, <laughs> and said, you uh, know what, I'm he, hearing the Santa Claus, C-L-A-W-S. Yes. I never thought of that. I was like, all right, let, let's let's record that. So when, once he did that, I was like, oh, my God, that's perfect. Perfect. He's one uh, who really gets it. Every time I've worked with Alice, he really gets it. And, you know, I played guitar for him back in the day. He was another person then. He, he barely remembers me. You know, it's one of those, like, you know. Well, he was kind of in a fog back then, too. Total total alcoholic. Yeah. (laughs) Tour was like, I couldn't believe it. You know, I I barely, you know, said 10 sentences to him on the whole tour. He was just like, you know, he was was basically, you know, like, uh, he was able to do the shows. Another that, he was sort of a drunk vegetable, you know. But now, the guy is so intelligent, so with it, that, you know, basically what you're hearing on this record is pretty much all one take. His ad-libs and all of that, he knows... He knows where you are. He he knows what's under your bed. <laughs> you know all of that stuff. It's like wow, that is so funny. You know, but the uh, the Santa Claus is C L A W S. I really thought very clever. So the label was like, well, we got to change change it though, on the cover as well, so it says that. I'm like, all right, great, cool. S A N T A C L A W S Santa Claus. Out. You better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why, Santa Claus is coming to town.
Who was the first person to sign on? First person was, of course, Lemmy. Lemmy. Always call Lemmy first. So He's Lemmy, look. Kind of like your go to guy. Absolutely. Mm hmm. You know, Lemmy I. He has got credibility, and surrounding him with this band, you know, I know what his comment has been. I've seen his little burp, you know, blurb, you know, like, I bet you wish you could see this band. Yeah, Billy Gibbons, Dave Grohl, and Lemmy, that's where we started. That's, that's all Wendy had when she went and hooked up this deal. That was it. Just that one song. So it's just based on the strength of that, she could get the deal and get other artists to sign on as a result. Yeah, and Dave Grohl, yeah, absolutely, of course. You know, not, not that, you know, again, these people will play or sing for me because they like me and it's not a charity to get paid, but the reality is that they don't get burned. They don't get embarrassed. Right. You know, they're happy with the product. Everybody says the same thing to me. Nobody comes back if they're unhappy. It's not enough money that somebody goes, well, I have to go because it's, it's not. It's like, God, who am I playing with now? Billy Gibbons and Dave Grohl. <laughs> Great. You know, if you're Lemmy, you know, if, you're, if you're the other cast of characters, you can look at uh, John Tempesta with John Denarius and Chuck Billy and Scotty. And, you know, it's like, wow, these are like all the yo-cat guys only scrooched into a different band than they're in. Right. You know, so that's, that's the magic for me, the combination of the players with the right song, like Run Rudolph Run with Lemmy croaking that lyric. How could you miss that? How could you not laugh at that? You know, we took every song like, I'm going to make this as good as it could possibly be. And 48 artists, world-class artists from everywhere, you know, people in England. And, and we did two bonus tracks for Europe that are not on this version. Oh, really? There were oh, three have... covers. Yeah. I'm going to have to hunt that down. Yeah, you should hunt it down. The, uh, the other version has... Uh, Duratesh and uh, Michael Shanker doing Oh Christmas Tree, and uh, Girl School, the English band, doing uh, Old Lang Syne, which is really oh. terrific because their accents, singing that lyric, it's, it's, it's again, it's, it's the glove on the hand that fits perfectly. It's like, oh, that song was perfect for them. With a kick-ass arrangement of Old Lang Syne, it really worked good. So I, I'm very pleased with what we came up with. You know, it's just, the time we, we pick a song, Magically, we'd just be able to find the, you know, all right, let's find a riff, and, and then we'll hammer it. We'll just take it as we go. And doing the demos meant that we knew the songs really well, so we really were able to guide everybody through it. You know what I'm saying? So when the drummer came in, he played to our demo. We would just replaced everything we did with the artists. Um, yeah. what, is, what was your favorite track on the CD, and what was the most unusual combination of artists that were on it? Well, I think, you know, the, the, obviously, as I said, the, uh, the the real specialty item, you know, Dave Grohl, Lemmy, and uh, Billy Gibbons, you know, I think everybody would have to say when you have three mega talents like that doing their thing on something, especially with somebody, you know, like Dave Grohl and, uh, you know, assuming his role that he had in Nirvana as the drummer, but I can tell you that the guy is just um, one of the most knowledgeable about the business and, uh, you know, the nuances and all of what goes on, the history He's a, he's a walking encyclopedia of rock and metal stuff. And the guy is totally, totally modest and down-to-earth, never once ever said anything about money or anything to do with that. It was all about the music. And when you find people like that, that's what's special. Uh, these guys definitely made it worthwhile. Uh, the Silent Night combination, you know, again, getting 
you know, the singer from Testament, the guitar player from Shadows Fall, and the guitar player from Anthrax, you know, making a, a mix and match of the specialty item guys. Uh, that worked, I thought, really, really, really well. But that, that song, you know, flattens people, everyone that hears that. It's like, you know, one of the comments from Europe, you know, best damn version of uh, Silent Night ever. <laughs> you know, so what can you say? You know, it's just, as I said, you know, the Alice Cooper session, I think Alice Cooper with John Five. It's also a real special combination because uh, John, having played with Marilyn Manson, you know, there's the connection. And uh, I know when I said to John, I said, oh, look, uh, you want to play on the track with Alice Cooper? Like, it didn't require much convincing. No, I, I would imagine not. He, he kind of owes his career in a way to Alice. I mean, he just it's such an influence, you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, we had fun doing every song. It was really... Uh, there's really no song, obviously. The, the Ronnie session was very special, you know, because he was really happy that we were able to find a way to make it work. And, you know, he basically blasted through that in like a half hour. That wow. Pretty much an organic performance. Somebody, again, like that, who was so amazingly on their game. You know, it's like, you know, do another take just, just to do another take. But other than that, it's like, you know, somebody walk out there and just nail it. And, of course, he and uh, Tony uh, have a little experience working together. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and putting them with Simon Wright and Rudy, who play with Ronnie and Dio, kind of mm -hmm. completes the, uh, the picture, so to speak. So, you know, it's the half Dio, half Heaven and Hell band there. You know, which I, I kind of like that as well. Um, yeah. The, uh, the War is Over Happy Christmas thing was a very special session because I thought it would be a great way to end the record. And because of that lyric... Even though it's from all you know, forty years ago, it's uh, still getting there applicable today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thirty to forty years ago is still applicable today. Make me old, you know, Bob. You know, so <laughs> so with Tommy Shore, you know, it's a pretty emotional session. Everybody that came in for that, you know, we, you know, we got the uh, Kenny Aronoff and Marco Mendoza, you know, a really uh, you know, amazing rhythm section that could play this song because you know when you when you when you're doing a John Lennon song, you don't want to screw it up. What have you done? Another year over And a new one just begun and so Bringing in Lukather, who's to me one of the greatest guitarists on the planet, period. You know, really helped, uh, you know, again, somebody who worked with the Beatles. Amazing. Played with Paul McCartney, you know, to be on this, you know. Uh, it was very special. You know. And Kenny Aronoff is no slouch. He's an awesome drummer. Awesome that, drummer. That track, is, that track is one of my favorite tracks. We only changed the song slightly, you know, added a solo, added a little bit of an intro. But other than that, you know, it's faithful to the original. And, uh, you know, kind of fits in there as the, as the good closer for the rest, which is, you know, just all the Christmas songs. I want to go back to a little bit of your childhood, if you would. Uh, what is your most memorable childhood moment that you associate with a Christmas holiday song? I don't know. I, I you know... Not being uh, being Jewish, because <laughs> you know, my brother and I were both kind of, uh, you know, I guess we maybe we have more of a memory for, uh, you know, the the, uh, the Hanukkah song show. There you say, go. You know, dreidel, dreidel, dreidel or something yeah. like that. You know, 
dreidel, dreidel. Hey, the dreidel worked. I won ten bucks. Very nice. But you, but you had to hear. But I always, it I always up. knew Chris. What's that? But you had to hear it growing up. You know, every time you went to a store, or, you know, you walk down the street, even in New York, you hear it. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I assimilated most of the Christmas songs. Um, how did you wind up choosing the songs on the CD? Uh, how did the artists get lined up for each individual track? Were there any fistfights in the control room? Because I think Alice Cooper could have taken them all on and won. <laughs> very funny. Well, the reality is that um, all of it was done by us, and we would shuttle the tunes to the artists that we wanted. There was a lot of juggling, no fistfights. There was some frustrating moments. There were a few artists that I really wanted on the record that, you know, Ted Nugent uh, just couldn't make it work, you know. Um, ultimately, he wanted to write his own Reindeer Kill song. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not on this record, you know. <laughs> and, and you know the you know the, all the rumors about Ace Frehley. You know, yeah, I, I I thought that Ace would do a great job on Grandma Got Ran Over by a Reindeer. You know, and you know we we talked about it, but uh, you know at the end of the day it, it didn't work out. So so not for lack of trying, but I did pile my brother on there, and then and as I think I mentioned, you know Gene, Paul, and Eric were all on the road in Europe in this in the, in the period of time that we were doing this so kind of precluded us from using them well hopefully uh, maybe next year volume two yeah volume Absolutely. two and of course the way it's selling and with the reviews it's getting uh, there, there's definitely going to be a volume two I think there'll be a volume two and, and I think there'll be there'll be tour dates with uh, a DVD maybe you know down in New York or LA or London one, one of those places where we can get the biggest artists to appear and uh, that would be fantastic some songs have some fun with it you know yeah we've talked about it you know obviously it's, uh, it's a daunting project and we couldn't get it together to do any of the shows that we thought about doing this year because until it comes out and people really know what it is you know just like with the artists until somebody hears it it's all just like metal guys doing Christmas songs I mean you know you read some of the stuff on uh, the internet and you know people I don't know what they're saying because if you haven't heard it then it's just like why would these guys do this have you heard it no and then the next guy is just like hey stupid the definition of awesome track <laughs> two Billy Gibbons Lenny and Dave Grohl come on what are you talking about you know definition of awesome I'm like okay you know so once people hear it I think that's when we'll be in great shape so I think hopefully we'll be set up for next year I think uh, it'll be a great thing to do definitely yeah, knocking on wood here <laughs> um, you mentioned Ace earlier. Um, I know that early on, Ace was part of the early lineup announcements for the CD. Uh, how did it come that he couldn't be part of the project? Uh, was it timing, or it just didn't work out, or what was the situation? Uh, I, I think the situation was that uh, it, I think it sounded good to him at, at first, and then when he thought about it some more, maybe he felt that... Uh, he wouldn't be good at it or that it would be thought of as too funny or I don't know I really it never it was like you know it's just no it doesn't look like it's going to work out so what do I do you know, we'll just move on you know and, and that's all I can say I mean you know, was there would there have been value in it for, for him I think so I think he would have been on a record that's getting a lot of attention you know a record with Dave Grohl and all these people blah 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 and us working together I think you know the Two guys that actually played on some of those records, you know, sort of a, you know, something to for Kiss fans to like. Wow, you know, Bob produced the on this, and 
you know, I did tell him, you know, look, I'm going to get you David Lee Roth's A rhythm section, Greg Bizonette and Billy Sheehan. Excellent, excellent rhythm Best section. Players, you know, so when they came to the studio, I had them play together. Because we wow. were both in town at the same time, so they came to play with the demo, and Mace was going to replace the guitars and sing, right? So they came in that day, and they, they carved that thing, and it was a piece of cake, and they had a great time. And I was like, you know, so I'm going to send the bass, and, you know, we'll be off to the races. They're like, very cool, very cool. So they just kept playing. They ran through the whole David Lee Roth catalog. It was just so funny. Shy Boy and Tobacco wow. Bro. <laughs> it was just, so, it was just so funny. <laughs> These two guys, I was like, they hadn't seen each other in a long time, and there was like a, a little reunion thing to put them together. Just like the day that, you know, when Lemmy was there with Dave Grohl, it was such a great vibe because Dave Grohl idolizes Lemmy, you know, and they had a film crew there that day, and they were able to, you know, get, you know, we got some shots uh, and the video, you know, it was very cool. <laughs> Very cool to be doing that. Maybe we'll make it part of the uh, DVD for next year. Exactly. Now, I have a question here. Um, I'm hoping, if so, that you and your brother, Bruce, Eric, and whoever else you can get together uh, from the KISS world and do a proper Kissmas song. Any chance of that happening? Uh, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I guess that's you know all we can You know what they say, Ken? Well, like what they say is, you know, you can take the horse to water, but you can't yeah. make him drink. Ah, uh, definitely. You know, that's that's you know, sometimes you know, my best intentions, you know, so if it doesn't work out, we just move to the next person. The reality is, that none of the records that I've done have been compromised by any one person. Right, me. right. I'm actually that's surprised Kiss hasn't there. done a proper Kissmas CD, like you know, Twisted Sister did the, you know the metal Christmas album and, and now you're having the success with this. Who knows? Maybe someday, but, uh, it sure would be cool. By the way, uh, how, how is Bruce, uh, any word or thoughts on his upcoming CD? Uh, he's working on it. Okay. <laughs> Taking a while. He's working on it. How often do you get to see him? I know he's a very, well, it depends if he's in town, you know, he's out of town a lot. <clears throat> right. When he's in town, uh, we get together, you know, uh, either with my uh, parents or, you know, sometimes we'll go to dinner or lunch or something like that, or he'll come to the studio and play or do something, uh, or just, you know, we just might hang, I might stop by to hang, or you might stop by to hang. You know, we see each other as often as possible, or we speak on the phone. You know, we're pretty close. He's he's on the record, obviously, on two songs, which is great. Now, which two and tracks are those? We've played on We Wish You uh, um, a Merry Christmas, along with me, and we're both on that track, and we're both on... Uh, Oh, you're rocking around the Christmas tree. Sorry. There you go. What do you have coming up for the year ahead, and what is next for Bob Kulik? Well, next is we're finishing up uh, Tim Ripper Owens' solo CD. Oh, wow. He's the singer that, yeah, you know him from, uh, we will know him as the guy who replaced Rob Halford and uh, Judas Priest and was the subject of the movie Rockstar. Yeah, and he also, he also was recently on yeah, Yingwei's album. Ingvay's album, Meister, Beyond Fear. He's got several projects that he's been involved with. He's an incredible singer. We're doing a solo record with him and uh, been able to surround him with some of our friends, you know, Billy Sheehan and Steve Stevens and Carlos Cavazzo and my brother and myself and Rudy Starzo and Simon Wright and, you know, a lot of the great players that uh, we know and uh, uh, use on our CDs are on this. And I co-wrote four songs on the record. I'm really proud of what we came up with. He's a really good songwriter, aside from being one of the best metal singers out there, period. Period. Guy's a phenomenal singer. I think um, unbelievable that, set of pipes. Yeah, anybody that likes him will definitely like this CD. The material is really heavy, but commercial. 
but you know, memorable. It's, it's, we've really tried to. We all know he can sing. And we all know that Billy Sheehan and Steve Stevens and all these guys can play. It's what they're playing and singing that will make the difference. And I really think we have some really, really top-notch songs that uh, you know he's going to be able to tour behind this and. Uh, really excited about the project actually we're working on it this week he's in town here and we've been recording you happen to catch me in a break in the schedule here uh give him the best from us kiss fans sure will <laughs> We always look forward to seeing you and supporting you in any way that we can, and we love seeing you at the Expos. Do you enjoy doing the Expos? Sure. I, it, it's always fun to, to have people ask you questions about your life, <laughs> you know, to have somebody pay attention. You know, it's nice. It's gratifying, no question. And uh, because KISS fans are the greatest fans, most loyal fans, you know, the most intuitive fans of, of, of any band I can think of, you know, there's always, there's always that... Uh, intensity about it and yeah, I've always had a good time. Uh, in Cleveland last year you played with uh, a tribute band Mr. Speed uh, at the Expo. They are friends of the podcast and they really enjoyed you and your performance. It was a treat for everyone there. Uh, Rich and Joe and the guys send their best holiday wishes to you. Thank you very much and the same to them. They're really, really good and they're really, really sweet people. I had a really good time. And you know, again, you know, because you have to play with a lot of these bands it, you really become dependent on you know, them doing their thing so you could just it fit on top of that or mm-hmm. side of it, however you want to look at it. And they were certainly one of the better bands for sure, for sure. Uh, here's a kind of an off-ball question, but uh, Gary Schaller, the one host uh, here, uh, he would kill me if I didn't ask this question. Is it true that you and Tony Levine are not the same person? We just want to go on record with that. Tony Levine is much taller and uglier. <laughs> side by side. He would, his, his head is more mutant than mine, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Another he doesn't have a goatee. He only has a mustache. He's only. I mean, I remember uh, we, we we had a picture taken in New York back in the day uh, when we were like, you know, the the ET, the extraterrestrial. When having a shaved head was like, you know, they were looking for the the, the saucer. You know, and yeah, I've heard of everybody had long hair. Whereas now it's like everyone's I can say it. to bands, I yeah, now I can say to bands, I look more like what's happening than you do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but. In answer to your question, we got this gorgeous blonde to stand in between us. And they were like, well, what is that shot? And I'm like, well, it's the caption. Tony Levin and Bob Kulik finally sought out who's who. <laughs> That's it. So it's definitely yeah, a rose so between two thorns with the hot blonde between you, you know? Yeah, exactly. It was just like, you know, the bookend. There we were. Uh, well, in closing, uh, I'd like to thank you for being part of our uh, first Merry Christmas uh, holiday episode. Um, Very nice. I would like to encourage everyone to listen to to get this CD. Play it at work or at the office. People will love it. The thought of Alice. Yeah, it's Cooper a really sing- great. It's a really great uh, stocking stuffer for thirteen bucks at Walmart or Best Buy. Can't you, beat you, it. You'll play it every year. <laughs> and uh, I see the the commercials are on VH1 Classic and VH1. Yes, so they are. They're definitely promoting it very. Uh, very, very, very good job. Yeah, very aggressive. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. Thank you very much. You know, again, if you're, you know, there's a review on the Associated Press and then the L.A. Times. Is, if those are taking you seriously, and the L.A. Times review, actually, I might add, we got three out of four stars. Faith Hill got one and a half stars. Elvis Presley got one and a half stars. Neil Sedaka got two stars. The other Christmas record. So uh, there was another review out of the 150 songs on 11 Christmas CDs that this guy listened to. He liked Santa Claus is coming to town uh, by Alice Cooper better than anything else, better than Tony Bennett and Count Basie Band and all of that stuff. So, you know, I'm thinking to myself, people are getting it. You know, I always thought it was great. I was like, you know what? This is great. If it has a shot, people hear it. 
they'll buy it and or they'll listen to it because it's fun, you know. So I want to encourage everybody as you are, you know, check it out. You know, these are these are your favorite artists. You're really going to get a kick out of it. That's really what it's about. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, We want to thank you for visiting with us. And on behalf of Gary, Ferk, myself, and the entire KISS Army, we we wish you, your family, we wish Bruce, uh, everybody there at your studios a happy holidays. And we thank you so much for making the holiday season a little more fun. Hey, thank you all. And uh, Merry Christmas to all the KISS fans and everybody else out there. A special thanks to you, Ken. I really appreciate it. What you did, you busted your butt to get it together. Really appreciate it, everybody. You should appreciate that. Ken wanted us to get this together for us. Thank you again. Well, thanks for the very kind words. And we will be speaking to you in the future. Absolutely. Look forward to it. So, uh, Peter, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? You bet. A week's vacation, a new VCR, and best of all, my own copy of Kiss Save Santa. You just practice that guitar, Santa. Next time we'll let you do a solo. Don't encourage him. (laughs) And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podkist.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at KissFAQ.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late, great Eric Carr, and the late, great Mark St. John. You are Kiss. And we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podkiss crew, thank you for listening to Podkiss, the KISS fanzine for your ears. Check out these ads from the following shows. We are proud to call them the friends of the Podkiss Network. We are one. We're a scene, man. That's right, Kiss Army. We're having a rock and roll party, and you are invited. Tune into the Strange Ways Kiss Podcast and hang out with your Kiss Army brothers, Jody Havnock, Clinton Harris, and D Rock. Join us where we celebrate and discuss the gods of thunder. That's Strange Ways Kiss Podcast. You can find us on Facebook or Podomatic.com. We'll see you there. You wanted the best, you got the best. And if you want the hottest show on Monco Radio, join us in the Kiss Room. The Kiss Room is a monthly radio broadcast celebrating the hottest band in the world. Your place for all things Kiss and some. For broadcast dates and all information, go to thekissroom.com. The Kiss Room broadcasts live and worldwide on Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. Hey, I'm Dr. Fuck. And I'm the Ayatollah of Alcohola. And we are from the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. If you want to check out some crazy, uncensored, unbiased, totally nuts reviews of classic hard rock and heavy metal albums 
check us out. You can get us on Podbean and iTunes. New episodes every Sunday. That's right. And we also do each other's moms. True. Free of charge. Well, mine charges. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mine's free. History Science Theater. The most civilized? Yeah. Oh, f***. <laughs> oh, f***. Come on. Respectful. Just imagine Gene with like, like a with like a washtub base. Boom, 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 boom. And serious. No way. Excuse me, Bob. You're gonna come over and do my album. Kiss podcast on the web. History science theory. We bust balls because we care. Rock and roll and vinyl are meant to go together. <laughs> like drummers and strippers. <laughs> That's right. So maybe it's time to hop on down to your local record store and go digging for some lost gems on vinyl. And that's exactly what we do here at the Shabby Road Record Show. We pick selections from our own personal record collections, and then we discuss the songs, the artists, the albums, and the stories about the music that you may have never heard. And there's nothing more fun than listening to two knuckleheads spinning vinyl and talking music. So dive on into the five-star rated podcast, The Shabby Road Record Show. You can subscribe for free on iTunes, Spreaker, and Stitcher, where there's a new episode released every Tuesday. Also, you can find us on Facebook and at our website, ShabbyRoadRecordShow.com. Hey, this is Nick, co-host of The Pot of Thunder, the only KISS podcast that breaks down the entire KISS song catalog one track at a time. Every week, we have a new song chosen at random, and we do our best to analyze it. We talk about KISS-related topics and non-KISS-related topics, all the while trying not to kill each other. If you like the sound of that, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and especially on iTunes. Pot of Thunder! Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Podcast Rock City. What's up, everybody? This is Joe from Podcast Rock City, where every week, me and my crew will bring you the KISS news of the week. Look at us as kind of a KISS version of Meet the Press, your source for KISS news every week. We're on iTunes, Podomatic, Twitter, and Facebook. Hi, this is Jason Herner with Kiss My Wax, a brand new podcast about all things Kiss Vinyl. Be sure to join myself, Andrew Scambatti, and Tom Shannon each episode as we discuss the crazy world of collecting Kiss Vinyl. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash kissmywax and on YouTube by searching Kiss My Wax. We hope to see you all there. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the KISS room, brings you KISS talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great KISS fun. 
Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the KISS audio fanzine for your ears. Hello, hello, this is Robin Zander from Cheap Trick, and you're listening to Cheap Talk. It's time for some Cheap Talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. Their mommy's all right, their daddies are all right, they just seem a little weird. They even got their KISS records out. This is Ken from the Podkiss. Join me and BJ Cram as we talk about four great guys and three great chords. Cheap Trick. If you're a KISS fan, chances are you checked them out. So please check out our show, Cheap Talk with Trick Chat. Keep cheap tricking. Oh, we're great at that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, we are amateurs. Yeah, I make all the sex sounds with my mouth afterwards. Squish. Ooh. This place is nice. Right? I'm glad you wore your nice flip-flops. Stay frosty, man. Okay.